Hi, and welcome to what we're now calling Not the Gear, the Photographer Podcast. Officially the first episode of the new season, or series as we English say. And that's very relevant here, because this time I'm joined by Dan M. Lee, a professional photographer based in New York, but who is English. Uh, and long-time listeners will remember him as one of our most popular guests from Series 1. Um, this time he's officially on board as a host. So, since we've not heard from Dan for a little while, and he was on his way to Amsterdam last time, how are things going in the world of Mr. Lee? Uh, um, pretty well, thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, I was on the way to Amsterdam last time, I, um, if I remember rightly, and I was on the show with uh, Tanya, whose book, book, I can't remember what the title of it was, you might remind me. Uh, life and 50 millimeters, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which is a good philosophy, I think, concentrating on the, something you can get out and do with a, a single lens rather than getting too obsessed with the equipment. Yeah, I wrote a, I wrote a, a blog post about that quite quite a number of years ago about going out just using one bit of glass. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, a lot has happened since uh, I was on the show last. I don't know if those remember we had a, a long conversation with Tanya about um, my lack of specialisation. Well, that's about to change. I'm about to hone in on my my specialists of travel and adventure photography. We've got a new website coming soon. It ties in with the uh, some of the, the workshops that I'm doing. So that was something that um, my agent decided to poke me out quite aggressively after <laughs> the end of last year. Um, so I thought, well, okay, well, I might as well do that. Um, and uh, I've been off for a while. I've been off for the last five weeks with uh, fixing my broken knee. And uh, I'm back at work now. You, you say fixing your broken knee and make it sound a bit like you did it yourself. Did you, you know, bend well, over and do a bit of surgery? Well, I, 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 no, I didn't do it myself, thankfully, because I think I'd still be in uh, in crutches for a very long time. But um, I, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm back at work. I did my first bit of commercial work shooting down Atlantic City just yesterday, in fact. But um, I'm all back, but walking slowly with a stick. Awesome. Well, that will give you a certain level of gravitas, won't it? Yes, indeed. So uh, in keeping with our traditional format, I think we should start off with uh, some items from the news. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about any general elections or anything like that. Uh, but today we're recording as CES kicks off properly. So we're starting to hear what the news uh, through from Nikon and Canon, or Nikon. And interestingly, Nikon have a new DSLR, which I thought, you know, we're dead now. Yeah, they're bringing out the uh, the D seven eighty, which is I, they're not calling it a successor to the D seven fifty, but it, it kind of totally is, and it's basically a Z six which has been shoehorned into a DSLR body, and um, it seems to have most of the same features of the Z six, along with the fifty one point autofocusing, um, all that kind of jazz. They've even put IAF into it, which um, Still begs the question why they're bothering, particularly as Canon are now saying, oh, by the way, we're not making any more um, uh, native lenses. We're only making it for our RF mount. As Nikon also bring out a very long lens um, in, in, in the same time as the D780, um, which is very odd. I don't know why they're doing that. Um, it's not as if Nikon have got a, a poor range of glass. They've got a great range of glass. So why they need to keep adding to it right now is beyond me, particularly when they're... Uh, the Z mount, which I'm a massive fan of, the Z6 is a phenomenal camera. When that is just crying out for some more glass, I mean, there's the 770 to 200, which has been announced, which um, I put my pre-order in for yesterday. <laughs> Whoops, open wallet. Yeah, um, so goodbye money. Um, but I just put my pre-order in for the 7200, um, and it's still waiting for a ultra-wide zoom. Um, the 2470 that I've got for it is phenomenal. 
Um, I just wish they'd had more glass. That's all. I was just hoping to see yes, they'd surprise us with maybe three bits of glass. But particularly, no, that wasn't to be. Um, 7200, I think, is a bit late. On the roadmap, it was due out last year um, in uh, early December. But, um, of course, that's been pushed back. They probably wanted to do that just for CES. But um, in, I think Nikon are dragging their heels a little bit in the middle of this game. I think they've got a, they've got a, they've got a couple of great cameras. They need a pro body. And I think they need to fill it in with a lot of glass. And I think that's where I think Canon are realising that that's something they need, they need to fix. And they're going out and doing that. I mean, my uh, big camera is a Sony A7 Mark III now. So I've, I've not really thought about what the others do for quite a long time. I think Canon are on the right track in terms of playing catch-up. Um, even though I think their, their button layout and everything else on their camera stinks to high heaven. But the uh, I think their strategy is sound. I just wish nice camera on there finger out their backside and, 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 and start producing some glass. So, I mean, you're mostly shooting with Nikon then, I take it? Yeah, I took the Nikon. Um, I, I went to Alaska um, right before my knee surgery. I went to Alaska for three weeks. I took my Sony A9092 with me uh, purely so I could get the long shots of the bears, which were an absolutely amazing experience. You didn't feel motivated to walk right up to the bears and, you know, poke them? No, my long lens was good enough to then poke them. Then you can use your phone camera. <laughs> my long lens was long enough to poke them optically, so I was quite happy to be far enough away from them to do that. Um, so uh, the uh, I took the Z6 out. It performed great in all weather conditions. We went up onto the um, the glacier at Seward, the exit glacier. Um, the weather thrown at it was unbelievable. The amount of rain and sleet and God knows what else. And the camera didn't didn't miss a didn't miss a beat. Um, so yeah, I, I took it almost exclusively. Um, I shot a little bit of video with it handheld when we went up in a helicopter to land on the glacier. Performed admirably. I was very very pleased with it. Um, so uh, yeah, almost exclusively Nikon now. I have um, just bought a Lumix uh, S1R. Oh, they're nice little toys, aren't they? Oh yeah, and the problem I've had with mirrorless cameras all along is that I don't like. I, you know, I have got the hands of a small Japanese boy, um, which I find difficult to hang on to the camera um, because I'm, I'm slipping all over the place. I can't seem to get a decent grip on it. But with that S1R, it's a nice deep grip. It's heavy. It feels like almost like a, a DSLR, if you like, um, in, in some respects. And all the buttons are nicely laid out for my my over enthusiastic fingers, I should say, when I'm when I'm shooting. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I've had a problem uh, with on the Sony. Sorry, no, no, I was trying to resist making other jokes about over-enthusiastic fingers. <laughs> I, hope, yeah. I hope you've been controlling yourself. Yeah, filling, as those words are coming in my mouth, I thought people are probably filling in the blanks and all sorts of stuff that's probably, you know, more than PG-13 rated here. It's, it's all right, Dan mostly works with landscapes and, uh, you know, commercial space rather than, uh, you know, things that might get you in trouble. <laughs> well, certainly now, definitely, yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that, so that, that's been um, that, that's been what I've been shooting with. But yeah, I think that I think that Nikon uh, needed to, need to make some more glass to make someone like me happy. And I haven't jumped to them full time for my commercial work yet, purely for that reason. One, there's not enough glass, and the card slots whisper it quietly because everyone goes crazy about card slots. Apparently, um, uh, uh, that's been a bit of a problem as well. But other than that, I I, I love them. They're great. They really are great cameras. There we go. So we started with the title, not the gear, and then I dragged eight minutes of uh, talking about the gear from you. But then, uh, <laughs> the reason I think I, I, I want to talk about uh, being not the gear is not so much about the actual equipment, which is something that we need to discuss from time to time because there's physics and optics and, and you know good technical reasons why 
some cameras are different from others. The reason is because these days, uh, the way the uh, the internet is built, people want to make money from their reviews and from their affiliates. And uh, I think it's something that you and I both uh, find a little irritating, uh, is that balance. Am I reviewing something in a positive light because it's worth having, or am I reviewing it in a positive light because the more sales that people get and they click from my site, the better I'm going to do cash-wise. So without naming names or less name names. Oh, uh, you might drag one out of me after a little while, I would have thought, on this topic, because it's a bit of a hot-button topic for me. I've got a little bit of an axe to grind with some of the uh, some of the YouTubers that are, that are out there now. Now, there used to be a very wholesome feeling of, you know, I'll just review this gear, give a fairly honest opinion with a bit of a positive light, Someone will probably sell me the gear. I get people that are searching for it. Now what seems to be happening is the reviewers will go online and they'll try and poo-poo as much as possible about some of the competition and say, this is why you should buy this camera. It's amazing. And you shouldn't buy this one over here because of X, Y, Z. Um, and it's becoming more reactive to, um, uh, how do I put it, clickbait, right? They're now, they're now more and more encouraging people to, to, to be inclined to click. Uh, for something more controversial. When you dig down and, and pull back the layers, it's not actually really that controversial anyway. Um, and it just really marring the, the whole experience of going online and listening to an honest review. Um, I think that trying to find those honest reviews now can become a few and far between. And I did a, I did a Twitter poll um, um, a number of weeks ago when we were starting talking about various topics for the show. And I sent out a Twitter poll. Um, and it basically said... Um, do you trust YouTubers' reviews of, of, of gear? Um, and it came back a good 60% no. You know, it was a very heavily balanced no. Um, people don't seem to, to, to trust the, the YouTubers and the reviewers so much anymore. doesn't seem to stop from watching it. No, 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 I agree. Because I think that's where the clickbait comes in, right? And, and, and again, it's where people are thinking that they're looking for something sensationalist and think, oh, my God, I, why do I need, not need to go out and buy this? Because I'm happy with whatever I bought. Because whatever I bought it really aligns with what that YouTuber's views are. And I think that's where a lot of the issues lie um, within, within reading reviews now. Um, we just, I, we just... I found a very fascinating piece online um, searching on this subject. And I'm going to name a couple of names only because... That was in the article, and I will put the link to the article in the show notes. And that was talking about drones. Drones, as you may not know, uh, my specialist subject. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to drone on about it. Oh. Sorry. I mean, I'd like to say it was the first or even ninth time I've used that joke, but it's worse. It was a piece from a marketer's perspective about how wonderfully iJustine and Casey Neistat had performed for DJI. Now, DJI are the leading drone retailer with a huge share of the market. You know, they certainly have great technical features, but it was very interesting to read the backstory from the marketer's perspective of how brilliantly they had leveraged, especially iJustine, who we learned from that piece is paid, but also Casey Neistat, who I got the distinct impression he didn't have to give his drones back after he was very enthusiastic about them. Right. I'm curious about the... Um... How many of these reviewers do actually send their stuff back? I know in the photography world, a lot of them have to. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure I mean, there's I've certainly ha whenever I've had to review anything that I haven't just bought for my with my own hard earned, then uh, yeah, I've had to return it. One YouTuber who's saying is um, he's jumping to Sony from Nikon now, who uh, sure remain nameless, but he's got big hair. 
that, that maybe that vendor has said we're no longer going to be sending you free kit and he's throwing his toys out of the pram. I don't know. Um, it just his, his, last, uh, his last video was very suspicious because all of a sudden he went from a, a bit of a cartoon character to less of a cartoon character. Having to shift his branding. Right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you know, I'm thinking, hmm, what's going on here then? This is all a bit suspicious. Uh, but uh, no, I, 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 uh, I, I think that the whole um, hoarding of kit after it's been reviewed, I think it's probably a very big persuasion of some of these guys to, to say things in a, in a various, various lights, mostly positive, of course. And, and ultimately the point is that in most cases, like 99% of whatever you want to achieve can be achieved with whatever brand you've got or, or whatever equipment you've got. There are plenty of photos taken on phones that get far more likes than those taken with highly sophisticated equipment. Right. You know, the only reason I've really jumped off the Sony A99 II platform is purely from an ergonomics perspective. Um, there's no other e-mount that fits into my hand nicely. It just doesn't suit my shooting style. Um, so you're, what you're saying is it's it's what you're comfortable with, it's what you've chosen and what you like, rather than... A big exactly. Exactly. Yeah, no exactly. one's waving any cash. Right, exactly. And and I think that um, a lot of photographers are, are, are buying in too much into this, I need to keep up with the cool kids. This is the thing that's in at the moment. This is the thing that's going to improve my photography. It's really not, because the, there's not much to choose between a lot of these cameras now. I mean, the autofocus on the S1R, um, after the, particularly after the last update, was just as snappy as the, as the Nikon Z6 I have. It's just as snappy as the A99 II, none of which have let me down at any, any kind of point from a performance perspective. Um, they all work slightly differently for doing slightly different things. Um, but ultimately, what you get out of them the other side, unless you're really pixel peeping, no one's going to notice any difference. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I, think, I, think, I think we're becoming too tribal with our photography purchases rather than thinking about what actually suits our style. I mean, you can, it's more than okay to have one platform too. You may have a, a camera which is great in the studio, but is a bit rubbish when you're out in the pouring rain because the weather ceiling isn't great in it. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point, isn't it? Because if you get drawn into being one of a brand's promoters, then you can't talk about that. No, because no, you no. can't say, "Yeah, my Sony uh, is wonderful," and then, or you know, whichever manufacturer you're speaking for. Um, but I don't use it in the studio. I use something else. Right, right, and and I would and I would and I would probably keep. Um, I'll probably keep using my A ninety nine until until the day the the eighty five mil that I have on it and the and the and the body blows up. Um, um, I'll probably keep using it in the studio because it's a phenomenal portrait camera. But taking it out and about, my my body's decided they want something lighter. Um, so <laughs> I mean, so know, we're back on your knee. Yeah, we are back on the knee, basically. But yeah, it's, it's one of the it's one of the very good reasons that why I'm I'm jumping off that platform, um, uh, and they're not making any glass for it anymore either, um, which is a bit of a yeah, shame. I mean, that's another thing, isn't it? If you've uh, if you keep if you keep investing, and they literally aren't making anything to sell you then uh, you are going to have to look elsewhere, aren't you? Well, yeah, I, you know, I'm not going to keep the money in my bank account because that's just crazy talk. I'm going to no, go and spend yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what's the point? Um, so, uh, but yeah, I think... Some, I think something I think, about future and retirement there. Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> right, who needs to be old and rich? Um, so I think, I, think people, I think people need to be a little bit less tribal in their purchases and, and, and think about... 
um, why they're buying it rather than it being a, a habit-forming thing. And like I said, it's okay to have more than one platform. Um, you're not married to it. It's not going to get uh, angry with you and ask for a divorce. Um, it's not going to take half your possessions and walk out the door and, you know, as soon as it knows you're walking in with a different platform. Um, that's okay. Um, well, I, unless you signed a marketing contract with them, of course. Exactly. Then it could cause all sorts of trouble. That's when, that's, that, that's, when, that's when the issues come in. And don't get me wrong, you know, if... if, if if Lumix, hello, if you're out there, Lumix, um, want to send me lots of stuff to, to, to keep in news, I'll be over the moon. Um, but I think that if they were expecting me to say the Nikon is a bit rubbish and you shouldn't buy it anymore, um, I'd, I'd find that a bit of a tough pill to swallow. Cool. I think that's, uh, that's enough on current events and my, uh, I think both of our bugbear. Um, so let's move on to talking about a creative subject. I think something a lot of people try and do don't do enough is is set themselves challenges right no i agree with that so it's a new it, it is a new year it's a time that people ought to be looking at giving themselves a little more to do a little more to keep their creative juices going um i know we we know of course that you have an excellent book out called uh creative photography the professional edge all out in good bookshops and amazon <laughs> Now, there are some people at Amazon who might be very offended by that. <laughs> especially, especially since, you know, as a professionally published book, Amazon, the, in the US at least, don't seem to have managed to get the cover on. Um, no, they seem to have, uh, you, you, you know, you Google search that and it comes out everywhere and on Amazon is just a, a kind of a, a blank page. But weirdly, they've got page six and seven on there. Perfectly okay. Yeah, no, strangest thing. But I'm sure that'll that be fixed weird. by now. If not, again, check the link in the show notes and uh, you'll be able to see how, you know, whether they've sorted themselves out or not. We've got real copies. We know it's a proper book. Yeah. Um, well, I've got a few of them upstairs somewhere. I didn't bring them here. I've always tried to show them onto camera, even though you can't see it. Because it's a podcast. Um, I, you know, I, I have a book coming out later in the year and I, I don't think you'll be giving out any spoilers because you can already find it on uh, Amazon for pre-order. Um, which again is is set around the idea of tasks you can set yourself. So you you uh, you concentrate on the outdoors. What what do you think? You know, let's have some some suggestions. I think looking for um, uh, re- reflections, um, whether in glass, you can use glass an awful lot in a in a high street. You can use it in a in an office building. Um, you can use it in many ways to kind of reflect back and look for symmetry and things. Um, of course, water in puddles, that kind of stuff. It's um, a nice one, isn't it? Because it works in the park, it works in sort of street photography, it works in a lot of environments. Um, so, you, you know, there's no equipment issue with it. It's something you can definitely do that's right. with whatever and you, device you have. And you can do it with any kind of focal length too. So you could do that with a wide bit of glass or like you say, you could do it with a phone that's stuck at 35mm or whatever. Um, there's a ton of things that you can do out there. And it's one of the things that... Um, I really like, particularly if I'm visiting a city for the first time. I like to run around and find that kind of, find the kind of symmetry somewhere that I can that I can play with. Um, purely because each city is a little bit different. Well, maybe not so in the US, but in terms of, you know, in Europe where things are old. <laughs> um, uh, as, as an Englishman in New York, you can really comfortably say that, can't you? You're like, right. Yeah, the streets go one way, the other streets go the other way, right. and then uh, yeah, all the architecture but, you know, is post 1960. 
Um, right. So, but in 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 Europe, particularly, you've got you know you've got some places which are medieval, some which are gothic. They've all been they've all been built at various different points in time, um, and you can pick up some really good symmetry. But um, in those European towns, that um, is a lot of fun to do. Particularly if you don't know the town very well, you can just pick up the camera, go for a walk, and you can find the small stuff, the big stuff. Um, people jumping over puddles, or someone looking pensive, looking out of a. Uh, a, a window at a, a cafe, for example. Um, you know, you can do all sorts of stuff, um, which is uh, it's, it's a great challenge to do. It's a lot of fun, um, and you know, you can do it on your own. You can do it in a group. It's 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 great. So you make yourself a sort of mental list, if you like. Is that what you're saying, or, or even an actual list that you can tick off in your notes app? Yeah, well, I I like I like to find. Um, I like to find something old and new. Um, so I will look for some of the newer the newer bits of architecture that are around and I'll try and look for something older, whether that would be um, maybe a bridge just reflecting in, in, a, in a stream or a river, if there, if there is a river in, a, in that city. Um, or I may be looking for something like, uh, um, something which makes that city unique. So, like, for example, I know I use London as a great example, the, the telephone boxes, right? You can look for a telephone box with a, yeah, with yeah. a reflection definitely somewhere. Have some glass in there. They definitely have glass in it, so you can do all sorts of... Fun well, stuff with depending, that. You know, some have been kicked in, obviously, and some have had terrible things repeated <laughs> on them. But right, yeah. one or two still have glass, especially uh, yeah. near the centre where they keep it nice. Right, yeah, for the tourists, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there are there are things like that that you can look out for. So I I, I think that making that mental note of, of working through a few old things and new things, I think when you go out and do it for the first time and you enjoy the things that work, um, you can go and try and repeat them in, in other cities because then you can start challenging yourself to improving those things that you've enjoyed doing. Um, and I think keeping that enjoyment factor is important because if you're going out and, and you're taking things uh, in the reflection and they're not working, you can think about why they're not working, but as long as you've got that enjoyment factor, that's great. As soon as you take that enjoyment away, then maybe you stop doing that and look for something else because after all, you're probably doing it for fun. One one of the things I like to uh, look out for, you know, on the on those few occasions in London where it hasn't rained and there's there's not so much uh, surface water to reflect from, at least, um, is uh, like adverts that are gonna present or adverts are billboards that are gonna present interesting juxtapositions. Um, there's a series of old books called Five Do This Do That, um, which have been adapted into ads. Um, for Great Western Railways. So Paddington Station is listed with signs with like five go to Bristol, five go to wherever with these weird pictures. So the trick is to try and find five people smoking stood under one of these signs and, uh, you know, get them in your photo at the same time. Five people looking weird or strange. But, you know, they they are all there pretty much in the sort of station smoking area. Uh, And you can always find, you can often find, and sometimes now, thanks to digital screens and reflective things, quite interesting um, juxtapositions between a subject and an ad. Uh, adverts for fixing your teeth, for example, next to an ugly-toothed English person. That's interesting. I've not, um, I've not, uh, I've not seen that, of course, because I'm not there. But you'll have to take some pictures and send them to me because I'll have to check that out. I'll be interested. I, I'll, I'll definitely have to do that. Um, yeah, one of the things, uh, obviously, is they're not always going to be a good idea, you know, for the portfolio or commercial use, but it's definitely a fun thing to do for your own collection and uh, for a bit of Instagramming. Right, right, right. And one of the uh, one of my most popular pictures that I that I sell online is uh, I've got one picture of. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure it's in the book. If I haven't put it in the book, then you need to kneecap me again. 
um, because I should have been in there. But yeah, it's basically... You are definitely advertising something of a vulnerability there. That <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, the other ones work and you can kneecap it there. It should have been in there. And if it wasn't, I apologise. Um, so when I first got to the New York City, I decided to just take the 55 millimetre round, which was... It was quite funny listening to Tanya talk about it when last time I was on because I just took out the, the 55mm on the, on the Sony SR2, on the Sony SR I think I had at the time. And I just shot all day on the underground. I just run or the, up the subway, MTA, whatever you want subway, to call it. Yeah. I just rode the whole day on the, on the, on the subway with the 55mm taking pictures of people. And I got this one Whether shot. they liked it or not. Well, they liked it or not. But it was a great thing to do because why, it, it gave me a good idea of how the... The metro system worked here. Um, places to avoid and where to put my camera away and not say anything. Because um, I'd probably be relieved of my camera. Um, but it also gave me a really good view of, of where people lived in the city and how they, how they commuted. I've got this great shot of this guy. Um, and he's a, I think he might have been a hobo. I might be giving him this justice. He was certainly dressed like one. And he's laying there. Perhaps he was a hipster or, yeah. you know, running a modern <laughs> internet business. He wasn't a hipster because there was no $60 coffee sitting next to him. So it definitely wasn't a hipster. Um, but he was, he was laying there on one of the benches and he's laying, you know, in a seating position with his head right back. And then behind him, a train was pulled in and it was rush hour. And there's these two ladies sitting there with the most depressed look on their faces you've ever seen in your life. And they're, they're running around on the rush hour. And he's having the time of his life, completely sparko out. And that was having one of the... a little rest. Having yeah. the little rest as if nothing, no care in the world. It was great. And it was just one of those moments in times that, you know, um, uh, really showed the difference between, you know, people running around in the rat races. Other guy just didn't really, really care. Um, and that was all taken just about me riding around on the subway, and that was my most popular, my, my, one of my most popular pictures. Um, That's brilliant. And it was, and, uh, it was presumably it was you captioned it, Jobs, why bother? <laughs> I captioned it a few things. Um, um, I, uh, when, I, when I first took it, um, I captured it restless. Um, I can't remember, you know what, I can't even remember what I changed it to. I did change it a little while ago, maybe about two years ago. Um, I can't remember. How bad is that? But it's a, it's a very popular picture of mine. And that was just purely from doing something. Um, I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I was doing it for my own enjoyment. Um, and I was running around the city which, with a camera, with a 55mm. It was great. Excellent. But we're going we're gonna to be good boys and girls and stick to time. Uh, neither of us are actually girls, but, you know, in these times. I'm sure we have lots of listeners there, girls. Yeah, lots. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so, all right. So um, that's some creative uh, ideas to be thinking about early in the new year and you're going to find more on about it on our on our site uh, and very clearly in dan's book and we're going to put a link to that image and ho- depending on your device you might actually be able to see the images pop up on your phone as you listen to us i know we can do that with iphones i don't know if we can do that with the others uh so moving on um one of the things that uh i don't really talk about enough um uh, but you know one of the things that I think all real photographers face, whether they're doing it as a hobby or whether they're serious professionals, is being professional, making good use of your time. So I am working on a couple of websites at the moment, uh, as well as my various other tasks. And I got it into my head that I needed to do a post. It's a good idea to have posts, draws in traffic, SEO, da da da. About the places you can fly drones in London. It's a niche subject and therefore might attract a few searches. But then I got it into my head that I ought to visit all of them 
and getting around London, um, well, Dan might remember, it's not the most straightforward of processes. And the four or five places are Richmond Park in the far southwest, uh, the very north tip of Epping next to the Orbital Motorway. They're not nearby. Not the most practical use. Essentially, something that should have taken a couple of hours from a sort of practical term is, is something that could easily occupy a whole week. So do you ever get caught into things uh, like that? Or do you have some strategies for making sure that you do not waste time like I'm doing? Well, I'm, I'm, um, I try to be super efficient with my time. Um, now, um, uh, if I'm going to go make sure, if I'm going to go and um, uh, do a job, I make sure that people are prepared for me before I arrive. Um, I like to give them very clear instructions about exactly what I expect when I turn up. Um, and I'll give a great example of me. I, I went down to Atlantic City yesterday um, to do two jobs back to back. Uh, and I gave them a very clear set of instructions before I arrived to say, look, OK, this is what I expect when I turn up. If it's not like this when I turn up, I'm going to leave, go and do something else. And when I come back, it's going to have to be ready for me to shoot. And I have that put in contracts and all sorts of stuff. So I make sure that I'm fairly efficient with my time that when I turn up, I'm not there doing all the stuff that they really should be doing. It, it, it put it into a bit more context what you're talking about. Um, I'd make sure that maybe that I would have planned that out at a time when it's, I know it's not going to be so busy on the underground. Um, maybe early on a Sunday to get around, assuming all the underground is open, of course. Um, because my, remember my time in London. That, um... A rail replacement bus, yeah. Right, in which case it would take you five times longer to get round. Um, so I think I maybe would have picked picked and chosen my time to do that a bit more efficiently or I'd have maybe sat on that blog post for a while to make sure that I'd have got all the content in place while I'm going about my other business. That may be something that I, I, I would have done that a bit differently maybe, I don't know. Um, so, but, well, uh, I'll t- can I tell you what I uh, my, my thing is? Uh, I've told myself that um, it's it's more of a health thing. So I like to do like at least an hour's walk or um, some equivalent exercise a day because over the last 40 years, I've managed to amass quite a lot of mass. I, I'm very happy to say to Americans that I, I peaked at what 122 kilograms because you won't understand what that is. But it's, you know, you can check it. <laughs> it's a lot more than it should, I should have got to. So, yeah, so I sort of justify these things by uh, sticking on a, a useful podcast and then cycling the hour north and hour back to do five minutes checking out a location and five minutes taking a few aerial photos which you right. just don't need yeah right 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 but i think but it does add authenticity it does add authenticity that's... yes it does um but i think i think if you were doing that without without uh, the, the health aspect i think we could have maybe maybe been a bit more efficient about how you'd done that uh but um, in terms of efficiency with my work, I, yeah, I, going back to, I think most of my commercial jobs, I make sure that people are lined up before I go, that have everything done and dusted so I'm not sitting there twiddling my thumbs because I hate that because um, there's nothing worse than turning up and you have to wait two, three hours for people to um, get everything just right before you start shooting, whether that be a power issue, whether that would be um, a, a problem with the location, whether it would be purely down to staging, um, uh, lighting, it could be a whole multitude of things. But I really don't like that. Um, and I think that um, when you're investing your time to go and do certain jobs and people haven't gone out of their way to do that, 
and that's 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 when I've got a big axe to grind. Um, and that's when I turn into, I would say, the Gordon Ramsay of photography, if you like. I'll get a bit shouty and a bit grumpy along the way. Um, but I think be free to understand that it's friggin' annoying. Um, so did you have any sort of experiences early on where you were the problem or did you always show up with every piece of equipment, that kind of thing? I mean, I have many I, examples. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, yeah I, I not recently, examples. of course. No, 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 no. I have many examples where um, I've turned up and I've, you know, absent-minded things, a lot of absent-minded things where I've left the tether cable at home where, you know, I'm, they, they, I know they won't necessarily have that particular tether cable in for that particular camera. They might have one for a Nikon, they might have one for a Canon. But, you know, you know, six, seven years ago, the thought of someone having a, dare I say, a Sony or a Minolta uh, cable for tethering in, in, in the studio was mind-blowing to them. So that just wouldn't have happened. So just making sure, you, you know, I carried the right kit around to be able to service myself and not having to rely on other people. Um, that was a big problem, I think, early on that I... I used to kind of, you know, coconut on the head time. Do we forget? I, I guess that's something anyone can and should do is really organise their equipment, keep it in a, a specific bag, something like that, or bags. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm thinking the not just the professional, you know, because with a professional, at least you have the advantage of being able to blame a client. But <laughs> if you right. are your own client... If you're on your own, if you're working on your own photography, um, if you're working on your skills, is it simply a matter of preparing? So in answer to your question, um, I think that making sure that you have a plan and a list of things that you want to achieve during that time that you're, that you're in front of uh, maybe a, a model or your time in a, in, a, in a location and making sure that you've got a very specific goal and you've got a very good idea of how you want to achieve that. So say, for example, if you are working with a, with, with a model and maybe you've not done it before, um, and you're thinking, well, how can I use my time efficiently for that hour that I'm in that studio? Um, you've got advantage of all sorts of tools that you can use now. You can pre-plan where you're going to put your lights. You can pre-plan roughly the kind of looks that you want to have. And instead of thinking, okay, I, I, can, I can chop and change as I go, think, well, okay, I want to get three looks. I want to make sure that I, I get this kind of light. And you keep persevering until you get that right. Rather than going in and thinking, I'm not getting this right, I'm now going to chop and change to something else. Um, and there's a, a multitude of tools that you can use to, to pre-plan things like um, uh, uh, lighting locations, camera locations on a map. You can kind of map it out manually before you go. You can almost put that onto a clipboard if you wanted to. Um, there are these 3D tools that you can use now, which you can even position lights on the floor with certain power and it will give you a rough idea of what that's going to look like on a model in a, in, a, in a 3D rendering. So you can then print out that plan, stick it on a clipboard. So you get a good idea of what you're doing when you're walking in through the door, right? And so you're going to make the maximum use of your time. Um, and that's just one that's just one use case that I can think of if you're going to be using a model for the first time and, and, and hiring studio space is going to cost you money, right? Um, so I think that's a good example of that. Yeah, and it makes uh, in general, I think you could probably draw out of that the idea that you set yourself those specific targets, you know, those shots that you want to get. So you don't just stop and go, oh, that's nice and leave, but gain something, you know, remember that you had a purpose and right. don't leave until you've achieved it. Right, and, and I think you, when you, you come with me when we did those commercial shoots in, in, in England last May. Um, yeah, yeah, we... Um, yeah, we we, we, drove we took some pictures of uh, 
what might be considered not an especially aesthetic. Uh, right, but um, I, yeah. I, I, I made myself a shot list and knew exactly what I wanted before I turned up on site. Um, um, you know, we were doing what six shoots a day in some cases, yeah, maybe seven up to that. Yeah, yeah, um, and um, it was just making sure that I spent less time servicing the client because I knew exactly what I wanted. Um, of getting in and getting out within an hour and a half, you know, maybe two hours um, at the absolute most. So I think at some points we were in and out in half an hour, right? We yeah, yeah. And typically quick, I yeah. was having to get, what, one or two shots uh, in the same time and you would be in and out um, doing quite a lot more in the same time it took me to get a couple because I maybe had, you know, I'd done my legal planning because I was using aerial, but I hadn't necessarily thought about where I'd be getting the camera to when I got until I got there. Right, 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 and and that that that's just uh, and it doesn't really matter if you're if you're starting out if this is something that you've never done before, um, or it's something that you're you're fairly seasoned at. I think that nothing can replace pre-planning. Nothing, nothing can replace pre-planning because the less shocks you have when you get on site means that you can enjoy it, you can relax, and that you know that you can interact with the client, you can interact with the model, you maybe not interacting with anyone. You could just stick the radio on. You, you know you. You disengage almost from 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 the work that you're doing um, that's causing you the stress, and you can just enjoy it. And I think that's one of the most important things that I that I learned um, uh, over the years. Definitely, it's odd, isn't it? Because it's, it's it's exactly the opposite of how these things are presented. That you know, it's, it's meant to look all cool and entirely off the cuff. The person shows up and goes blah. You know, you sort of imagine this creative photographer having done no work in in advance. You want it to be instant and exciting um it's it's, it's how you imagine it is not the same as how you do it well right right and it's it's to some element it's the same with doing um going to your point about going to various locations it's the same it's the same thing with with, with travel and adventure photography too um it's a different kind of planning so it's making sure that you know the weather's going to be good making sure if you're going to do a pictures of the night sky that you know that the milky way is going to be there the moon is going to be set and you're facing the right direction to making sure that you get a decent shot of the night sky and there's no light pollution. So all these things have to fall into place to make sure you get the great shot. You can't just rock up at night and think, oh, the Milky Way might be there. Let's see if we can get the camera out and shoot. There has to be an element of planning around that. Um, and it's exactly the same with that too. Uh, it's all about the planning. Yeah. I mean, because even if you you know rock up, see something cool and happen to have your camera with you and take a nice picture... Um, what if you rock up and I don't know secretly in the back of your mind you're hoping to see the Milky Way, but you don't because you didn't look ahead. You know, right. you're going well, to be disappointed with yourself even if you don't admit it. Right, and I, I give you a great example. I was in, um, I was in, uh, it was right after CES last year. I went up to um, uh, the Pacific Northwest, and Mount Rainier was there. It was looking beautiful, and I read somewhere right near Mount Rainier there's a place called Reflection Pond. And at a certain time of night, you get the Milky Way behind it. You get this lovely reflection of the pond of Mount Rainier. I was like, right, this is great. I want to go out there. It was February. So the road was closed that led out to it in the middle of the night. And also it was under 10 foot snow. It was the worst bit of planning I ever did. But I just went on the off chance that I might be able to get up there. But it was all closed out. Um, So that was a pretty pathetic attempt on my part. But if I'd have just used used my brain for two minutes... And looked on the uh, the NPS website, it would have given me all that information on a in, in a heartbeat rather than me drive out for an hour and a half to sit there in the car waiting to look for the at case. some snow. To look at some snow, yeah, yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that was a ten bit... foot of snow, height of my vehicle. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I, I uh, again, that was just a very stupid thing for me to do, but it was just a, a simple internet search and engaging my brain for two seconds would have prevented a nearly three hour round trip. Well, uh, the lesson learned there is is use the internet. Yeah, use the internet. Yeah, yeah, use the internet. It's the source of all information. I, I don't know if you've heard of the internet. Um, it's quite popular now, isn't it? Yeah, we get it here too now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it made its way over the Atlantic. It's a, a means of distributing information and pornography, or pornography <laughs> and information in that order. I forget which order it is. <laughs> That's, is that not information? It is still educational. <laughs> uh, from a certain point of view. <laughs> cool. Well, it's been nice speaking, but I uh, see that we've already run past time, which is one of my bad habits. Um, so File that we're going to come back. Yeah. No, I think it's always fun to run over time, isn't it? Most people's commutes aren't exactly 40 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever I'm meant to edit to. I guess. Um, and that's the magic of technology. It is. So um, before we go, because we're going to be back a little more frequently than we have been in the past in this series, I think we're going to... No promises, but we're going to aim for every couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. And if it, if it gets really popular, it might be every week. You never know. Yes, if we're good boys. Or, you know, uh, if we plan ahead, we could do those uh, podcasts where we don't ramble on about the news, but just get straight into the useful knowledge because uh, we recorded it the week before. If we tell people you it may mind, be... will you listen? No, if we tell people it may be every week, then there's their check back on a regular basis. All right. You, do, you, you heard him. You heard him, right? Let's do that. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, or interneting in or how we describe it um before i let dan go i'm gonna ask him if there's anything he'd like to plug this week and in general no nothing nothing yet um i have a few things in the pipeline um that uh maybe come to fruition i can tell you it's it's a tv show but i can't tell you what it's about um yet because oh. it may get it may get no, no, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's a very exciting story isn't it no you don't don't you know, don't get yourself into trouble with that. I was thinking more, where can people find your work online? Where oh, I see. You? I just let a big uh, cat out of the bag. Um, you can find me online at uh, com. There is a new website um, being released in the next two weeks. Um, uh, that will have lots of photography guides, uh, have lots of uh, uh, travel-related stuff. Uh, you'll find me there. Um, Dan Emily Photography on Instagram and Dan Emily Photo on the Twitter Cool. Uh, and I, too, am hiding a website at the moment. So, well, I guess maybe we'll talk a bit about make, making showing a good face to the world in the next few weeks, um, how best to launch a, a site. Yeah, we can talk about, yeah, we can talk about some uh, marketing re, or remarketing yourself. Yeah, no, I think relaunching because um, I think a lot of a lot of us end up in the same situation. We put together uh, a rough website. We end up getting enough work that we don't need to pay any attention to it. And then all of a sudden, the world's moved on. All right. So after you've spent a little time uh, researching Dan, following him online, um, don't forget to follow me at, uh, at Juniperific on Instagram. Um, you'll find my other links there. And check out the website. Oh, no, it's not finished yet. Sorry. And um, we'll hear, oh, you'll hear us next time. Bye for now. Bye-bye.
But I think we should wrap up in, in the way that all professionals do uh, by asking you, Dan. Um, you can ask me. Edit point, well, I've got. I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I think that's established. We've uh, well, we've got forty minutes, before, forty-five minutes before uh, I've used the word is that, in the recording of the podcast, which is unusual. Um, it, it is, yeah. Uh, normally, it happens at least ten times in my trying to introduce the show. Brilliant. <laughs>